Celebrating baptism, awesome time. If you have a Bible, grab it, open it, um, turn it on, whichever way you do it, follow along on screen or in your outline. Matthew chapter 3 is where we are going. Um, We are in the last week um, of our house party series, and this series has been a lot of fun. Um, It's been going on a long time. I think this is like the 27th week, I'm just kidding. It's like the ninth week of it. Um, It's a long time for us to do um, one particular series, Um, but it's been a lot of fun. In this series, we've been talking about how we need to celebrate the goodness, the greatness, the provision and the protection of God uh, for his people in his house. And, and we've been talking about um, some of the values of Central Church and, and why we do what we do. Um, next week, we're starting a brand new series called Overcomers. And people always ask me, what's your favorite series? And I always tell them, the next one, um, because it's the best is always yet to come. And this next series is going to be great. I'm telling you, we're going to talk about some things um, that don't hardly ever get talked about in church, um, but they're real life issues that we all deal with, and we're going to talk about because of Jesus um, how we can be overcomers. Um, if you're brand new to Central, uh, let me just kind of say this I'm the lead pastor. Um, if I haven't been here for the past two weeks, which is probably why some of you came back, um, you're like, Oh, maybe he won't be here again. Sweet. Um, anyway, I'm here. Um, I was on vacation the past couple Sundays with my family. Um, and people ask, where did you go? Uh, we went to Vegas. That's right. I'm the pastor that takes his family to Vegas. I know it doesn't sound like, like a family-friendly vacation destination, but we had a great time. We did some incredible things. Um, one of the things that we did is we went to the Grand Canyon, and um, we went to the Horseshoe Bridge. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but this is a glass bridge that stands 14,000 feet above the bottom of a canyon. Only an idiot would go out on this thing. And so this is a picture of me standing on it. Now, now, here in this picture, you can't tell, I am terrified. I am like, on the, like probably over here is the doorway to this thing. We're only like two feet out on this thing, and they stop us to take a picture. What you can't see in this picture is the hour-long stand in line waiting to go out on this thing, and I'm just dripping with sweat. I am terrified. My kids are calling me a chicken. They're making fun of me. I'm like, I don't even care. We get to the end. We have to put these stupid little booty things on our feet. I'm like, uh, I'm putting them on. I can't even put them on, not just because I'm fat, but because my, my hands are shaking so bad that I can't get these things on. And so I finally walk out there. They take the picture, and they tell you don't look down. It's a glass bridge. The whole point is to look down. You look down and you immediately just get incredibly dizzy. And so it's it's uh, it's all fuzzy. Everything from there, from that point right there, is fuzzy to me. They told me to pretend like I was pushing Mary over the side. This is the next picture. I didn't want to pretend because she was making me go out on that thing. (laughs) This is no joke. This is confession time for your pastor. This is how big of a sissy I am. My 16-year-old son had to walk me arm and arm, linked together, across this bridge. And when I got to the end, I legitimately went, I did it! And people cheered for me. It was one of the greatest, just like you're doing right now, it was one of the greatest moments of my life. And so I got this shirt to commemorate walking this. This is not a Hawkeye shirt. I am not celebrating your Hawkeyes. I'm celebrating my greatness of walking through that. So... 
Anyway, we did a lot of cool things. Um, we went go-kart racing. The girls went skydiving. No, I did not go skydiving. I didn't. The girls went. Um, we did so much cool stuff. Now, I've had a ton of people ask me because I went to Vegas, um, how much money did you lost? Why do you assume I lost? Like, like, like for real. Like, I mean, do I just look like a loser or something? Like, maybe I won big. Maybe we're building a new sanctuary next week. Maybe... God doesn't love me that much, I guess. That, that, didn't, that didn't happen. But, but people are saying things like, like, like legit. I didn't put anything hardly at all on Facebook about being um, on, on, in Vegas. A couple times I did. I had to delete some comments because there were some things on there like pastors shouldn't go to Vegas. It's Sin City. It's blah, 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 blah. You shouldn't be betting. How, how many of you have ever bet on something? How many of you? Come on, let's be honest. You ever bet on something? How many of you have ever placed a bet? Come on, keep your hands up. How many of you have lost? How many of you have won? Right? I mean, we've all placed bets. I I can remember, like, I've placed bets my entire life. I remember the very first bet I ever made. We had three guys in first grade. We we bet $1 each of who would be the first to kiss a girl. I walked up to the first girl I saw and kissed her. Got $3. Now, today, that's assault. All right, I get it. Back then, it was a spanking in the principal's office and another one when you got back home, but I had $3, and so it was just like awesome. All of us, all of us understand betting. All of us you have waged bets, hedged bets, whatever. We've bet on this, or we've bet on that, or we've bet on whatever. I want you to know that we, as a church, have decided to say, hey, you know what? We're betting on you. We're betting on you because you are our why. Now, now, Jesus Christ is, is, is the reason that we do everything, but our why behind that is also you. Everything that we do here is to connect you to Jesus and each other and to make the name of Jesus famous and in, in outside of these walls. That's why we do what we do. And I, as your pastor, am betting on you. I'm, I'm betting on you because I believe you've got what it takes to follow Jesus. And the reason that I want to say that is so often, not even in, I'm, I'm not even going to talk about other churches. I'm going to talk about this church right here. In this church, so often, people leave feeling like, well, maybe you can't do what we talked about that morning. You know what I'm talking about? I can't, I can't do that. I can't follow Jesus. I can't read my Bible. I can't pray. I can't give. I can't be pure. I can't not do this. I can't do that. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Here's the deal. I think you can. I really do. I believe that you can. And I believe that God believes that you can. I think you've got what it takes to live a life that can absolutely make a difference. And so today, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about our next steps. And I'll set it up like this. This past Thursday, um, the NFL season officially kicked off with the Hall of Fame game. All right? I don't care what you think about the NFL. I don't care if you boycott it or don't boycott it or anything like that. I don't want to hear about that. Um, I like it. I like watching football. I enjoy it. When I was a kid, my grandparents lived by the NFL Hall of Fame. Um, and while I never got to go to a game, um, we were always around the festivities. We went to the parade every year. It, it was really, really cool. Now, in the NFL, really in any sport, but in the NFL, um, players are known by their what? By their what? By their number. And their number's on their jersey, right? Come on, everybody follow along. Everybody's got a different jersey. Everybody's got a different number, right? Because that's how you identify. They put their helmets on. You can't tell who's who, except you can tell the great big fat lineman and the little teeny tiny kickers. You, you understand that, right? But, but we, are, we understand them by their jerseys. We like to buy 
jerseys. In fact, um, people go out and spend hundreds of dollars to buy their favorite players' jerseys. As of Thursday, when I was putting this illustration together, it's changed now because of the Buffalo Bills quarterback, um, I'm sure. But as of Thursday, the number one selling jersey at the NFL shop was this one right here, Trevor Lawrence's number 16. Trevor was the number one pick in this year's draft by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I personally don't know any Jaguar fans. Are any of you Jaguar fans? Any of you? No. Were any of you, like, it, it, no, you're not. But here's the thing, there will be a bunch because Trevor's going to be really good and there's going to be a bunch of bandwagon fans that jump on and, and, and stuff like that. So anyway, the Jags paid Trevor $36.8 million to put on this jersey. That's $20,164 per day over the next five years. Per day for the next five years. $20,164. Now, let's say that I had one of these number 16 jerseys with me, and I picked you out at random, and I said, hey, I want you to do me a favor. I'm going to give you this jersey, and I want you to put it on every day and wear it for just, I don't know, three or four hours every time. I'd be willing to bet that nobody in this room would take me up on that. Number one, it's going to mess with your sense of fashion. Well, some of you, it might actually help your sense of fashion. But, but for, <laughs> nobody would want to wear this on a daily, consistent basis unless I told you. If you wear this every day for the rest of the year, I will give you $20,164 every day that you wear. Anybody in? Yeah, me too. Both hands are up. Because Trevor gets paid $36.8 million he's willing to put on the jersey. He don't care that the Jaguars suck. He, he doesn't care at all. It's because of the investment that the Jaguars made in him. And that's the way it is with any professional athlete on any team. Listen, they can all talk about how much they love the team and how much they love the city and how much they love the program. They can say that all they want. But the reason they put on the jersey is because of the what? The money, right? The investment that the team made in them. You say, Ryan, what's all this Jersey talk have to do with Jesus and the Bible and the church and all of that? Well, here's the deal. I believe you have what it takes to be a follower of Jesus. And I think every single one of you, every single one of you has what it takes to take your next step. Everybody in this room, doesn't matter where you are in your walk with Jesus, every single one of us has a next step in our walk with Jesus. Every one of us has a next step. It's called a journey. It's not called a standstill. And in order to take a journey, you've got to take steps. And so every one of us has a next step. And don't miss this. Your next step is your best step. Just like we talk about our next series will be our, our best series, we always talk about the best is yet to come. Your next step is your best step. And so with that in mind, I want to talk to you today about the possibility for some of you that maybe your next step is to be baptized. And baptism is very, 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 very simple. I want to talk to you about, I'll explain it in, in Jersey talk. Baptism is simply putting on the jersey of the one who invested in me. That, that's it. That's what baptism is. Baptism is putting on the jersey. It's an outward profession of an inner connection. That's what baptism is, it's that simple. Here's the deal. Jesus Christ, he did more than what the Jaguars, or he did more than what any sports team does investment-wise. He, he invested in us, yes. 2,000 years ago, he hung on a cross naked and bleeding, sacrificed his life 
so we could be made right with God. Three days later, he got out of the tomb. He ascended into heaven, and right now he's preparing a place for us, and one day he's going to come back. That's great news. That's good news. That's the gospel. But that's a major, major, major investment. And so maybe in this room, maybe this week you've wrestled with you don't feel valuable. Maybe you think you feel worthless. Maybe you've kind of had some struggles and some things that have gone on this week. I want you to know Jesus Christ laid down his life just for you, just for you. And that means that you are valuable. And one of the things that he's asked us to do, we're gonna look at this a lot in scripture today, is to go public, to put on the jersey and say, hey, it's Team Jesus. Like, I'm playing for Team Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm gonna let everybody know that I'm with Jesus. I've sold out my life for Jesus. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna walk you through three passages of scripture. I'm gonna make three points. And then at the end of the service today, we're gonna give you an opportunity to be baptized next week. You can sign up today for next week. We're gonna baptize again next week. We're gonna drain it, clean it, do all that stuff, and we'll be, you'll be able to get baptized again next week. So here we go, Matthew chapter three. Um, Matthew tells the story of Jesus and Jesus' baptism. And I love Matthew because Matthew was an eyewitness to everything that happened with Jesus. And so it's just so cool to read the stuff that he says. Um, in verse 13 it says this, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Now, now for years I would skip over this until I began to discover what big of a deal this sentence right here really is. Um, Let me explain it like this. Let's say today, after church, we're standing in the parking lot, and we're having the discussion that everybody has every Sunday after church. Where do you want to eat, right? You know. And by the time some of you decide, it's actually dinner time, Mary. Um, I'm just not bitter. Um, So you know what I'm talking about though, right? That's why you laugh. So let's say today, let's say I settled that for everybody. Let's say today I'm craving, no, 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 it's closed on Sunday. Can't go there. Just can't. And I didn't say it. I didn't talk about it. You talked about it. I didn't talk about it. You say I say it every Sunday. I'm not saying it. We're not talking about board and arrows today. Oh, there you go. But anyway, let's say I'm craving red lobster. Any other seafood lovers in this place? Yeah, all right, so I'm craving red lobster. Hey, listen, hey, the red lobster people, where are you at? Put your hands back up. I'm going to give you a little life hack. Next time you go there and they bring you out the Cheddar Bay Biscuits, you ask them to bring you out melted butter, you know, what they use for the crab legs and the lobster, and you take that melted butter and you take that Cheddar Bay Biscuit and you baptize that biscuit (laughs) down inside that butter and you pull it up and that, I mean, it's just going to be dripping out of there after you've immersed it. I can make anything spiritual. And you put that thing, and it'll clog your arteries before it even touches your lips. I'm telling you, it is magic. Trust me. Have I, listen, 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 listen. Have I ever steered you wrong in food? Have I ever, ever one time? No. Two things you could trust for Pastor Ryan. I will never steer you wrong in food and theology. Everything else I'm completely sketch on. But food and theology, I got your back. Anyway, I'm way off track. Let's say, let's say we're going to Red Lobster. The closest one to us is in Ames. It's an hour drive. But let's say, I say, no, 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 no. We're not going to drive. We're going to walk. You'd be like, Pastor Ryan's smoking crack, right? Like, we're not walking that way. We pulled it up on Google Maps. It's a 66.2-mile walk. It would take us 21 and a half hours to get there, unless you're like one of those weird Olympic walkers, and then you could get there in seven minutes. Um, You don't walk 
21 hours unless you, like, you don't drive 21 hours unless something is real serious, right? And so here's the deal. Here's the point. The Bible says Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Ordinarily, we would skip over that verse, but I want to point out that is a 60-mile walk. Jesus Christ walked 60 miles to be baptized. And if Jesus walked 60 miles to do something as his followers, we should probably call that important, yes or no? Yeah, as a matter of fact, when people start saying, is baptism really a big deal? I should probably start saying, well, Jesus walked 60 miles to do it. What do you think? 60 miles. He, he left. Don't, don't miss this. The Bible says he left Galilee. You know what's in Galilee? A great, big, humongous sea. You, you've heard of it, right? The Sea of Galilee? And so he could have done it there. But he went to a guy named John, who was his cousin. He walked 60 miles to get there. So baptism, at the end of the day, it was a really big deal if Jesus walked 60 miles to get it done. It goes on to say this in verse 4, uh, verse 14. It says, but John deterred him. I want to pause real quick, and I want to say, if you're going to take your next step in your walk with Jesus, you're going to face opposition. Someone or something is going to step in your life and try to oppose you. Listen, if God is telling you to do this, Someone or something else is going to tell you to do that. You are always going to face opposition. And you and I have a choice of what voice we're going to listen to. Are we going to listen to the voice of God or are we going to listen to the voice of the world? And opposition, don't miss this, opposition doesn't always have a pitchfork and horns and wear a devil costume. Jesus, or John, yeah, Jesus faced opposition from John, from a family member. Sometimes, sometimes the opposition comes from places we don't even expect it to come from. John tried to deter, the Bible says, tried to deter Jesus from doing what the Father told him to do. Listen to me. As followers of Jesus Christ, you and I are always, always, always going to face opposition. But opposition is an opportunity to continually say yes to Jesus. Opposition is an opportunity to continually say yes to Jesus. And saying yes to Jesus through the opposition, man, that will make a difference in your life and in the life of those around you. John, John's trying to deter him. He's saying, hey, I need to be baptized by you, and, and you come to me? Jesus, I think you got this thing a little bit messed up. And Jesus replied to him, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then, look at this, then John consented. John just simply said yes to Jesus. And, and, and he understood the best time to take your next step is right now. But th that's the truth. The best time to take your next step is right now. I don't know about you, a little confession time again about me. Um, I'll know exactly what Jesus is telling me to do, but I'll, but I'll say this. I'm going to pray about it. Anybody else ever do that? Because if I pray about it, I can delay it, and then I don't have to do it right then. Anybody else like that? Just, I'm just going to pray about it. But Jesus told John, no, 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 no. We're going to do this right now. Listen, John, I know you got some reservations. I know you got some hesitations, but we're going to do this right now. We're not going to wait. Jesus was like, hey, I'm on a mission. I've got something to accomplish. I'm not here to make everybody happy. I'm here to obey the Father. And the Father said to do this and to do this right now. This is my next step. And so you know what, John? We're going to do it. We're going to do it right now. And John consented. And that's amazing because verse 16 says this. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, up out of the water, up 
out of the water. Don't forget that, all right? We're going to come back to that. I'll say this. The reason we baptize by immersion is because that's the way Jesus was baptized. I'll talk more about that in a minute, but I want to throw that in there in case you forget it. Um, At that moment, or in case I forget it, actually, that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Now, we're all going to have to agree that this is what we would call a breakthrough moment. Would you agree, yes or no? Yes. All right, so don't miss this. Breakthrough comes after follow-through. Breakthrough comes after follow-through. Now, I know a lot of people, and this is true many times in my own life, I've wanted a breakthrough, but I won't follow-through on what God wants me to do. And if I want a breakthrough, I have to continually keep following through. Now, I wish I could tell you that as soon as you take your next step, you're going to have a breakthrough. But sometimes... It's a process. F- following Jesus is not like a, a one-time decision. It's a daily process where we're following Jesus by taking our next steps. Verse 17 says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Whenever we take our next step, whenever we take our next step in our walk with Jesus, God is pleased. Whenever we take our next step, God is pleased. And so today, if baptism is your next step, One of the things that you can know when it comes to when you come up out of the water is that God is pleased with you taking your next step. It doesn't mean that he loves you any more or or any less. He loves us always and forever no matter what. We've talked about that before. Always and forever no matter what. His love is unconditional, but he's pleased. Parents, you you know what it's like to love your kid but not be pleased with your kid, right? You you got that? We understand that? We don't have to talk about that? Like report cards come out and they learn to drive, they ran over your mailbox, like you know. But, But God loves us always and forever no matter what, and when we take our next step, he's pleased with us at the same time. Now, there's another passage of scripture that I want to show you. Um, Jesus goes on after this, the Gospel of Matthew. He has a, he has a three-year ministry. Um, he dies on the cross. He raises from the grave. And then he gets everybody together. A um, little side note right here. Christianity took off not because of theology, but because of the resurrection. It wasn't a particular doctrine that launched the whole thing. It's the fact that a dead guy came back to life. That's what launched the whole movement of Christianity. That's what sets it apart from everything else. The resurrection is the reason. And so Jesus gets everybody together, and and Jesus says, hey, go tell everybody about this. You tell everybody, all the way out to the ends of the earth. Lo and behold, know that I'm with you. Go out teaching them, baptizing them, all all that stuff. He, He says all of these things. Let them know that I'm alive. And they say, okay. And then in Acts chapter 2, God assembles this crowd together, and Peter preaches this message. And, and Peter's message is about Jesus. It's absolutely amazing. And at the end of it, in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it says this. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, which, because I'm a child of the 80s, always like puts that song in my head, right? You know it? You know what song I'm talking about? Shot to the heart, and you're too late, darling, you give love. Yeah, love you. That's going to be in your head the rest of the day. I had done that in any other service, and I don't know why it just stuck to me just now, but <laughs> has that ever happened to you in a message? Not, not thinking of a song. Has that ever ha- happened to you where you've just been like cut to the heart? Like you ever just like shouted out like, amen, and other times you're like, oh man. Like it sounds like amen, but it's a little bit different. I remember when I first started going to church, I wanted to stand up a couple of times and just turn around and tell everybody, hey, you can all go home. 
Everything he's saying right now, he's only talking to me. Like, I don't know how he knows all this stuff, but dude is just talking to me. That ever happened to you? I've been in the foyer of this church. This is no lie. I've had people come up to me and be like, did my wife email you this week? Excuse me? Did my wife email you this week? No. Why? Because you just preached exactly to me every day you're going out of my life. Did my wife email you? You're telling me right now. Dude, I don't even know you. I don't think I want to. Like there's other churches down the street. I don't, I don't know. Being cut to the heart. I mean, cut to the heart is something that happens when the Holy Spirit. He, well, like, it happens when we're reading the Bible or listening to the song or, or even hearing a sermon. When the Holy Spirit cuts to our heart, it's because he wants to do something in us so eventually he can do something through us. The, the Bible says they were cut to the heart. Watch this. And said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Do. Notice they didn't say, what shall we know? Christianity is not about intellectual knowledge. I don't care what anybody tells you. Christianity is not about how much we know. It's the application of the intellectual, intellectual knowledge. It's, it's actually doing what we hear. If we become people who just know a bunch of stuff but don't do what we know, we eventually become the reason that the Christian movement just slows down or, or in some churches' cases even stops. They're like, hey, we got some, we got some next steps. We got to take some action. That, that's what's going on right here. They realized they had a next step. Peter replied, watch this. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. He said two things, repent and be baptized. How many things did he said? Two. Number one, repent. Repent means turn away from sin and submit your life to Jesus. That, that's what it means. It's that simple. Turn away from sin, submit your life to Jesus. You know what happens as we walk with Jesus over time? He's renewing our minds. He's renewing our minds. He's changing our thoughts to be more like his thoughts. And as he does that, he's actually changing our ways to be more like his ways. But it takes time because walking with Jesus is a process. Repentance is an inward thing. It's something that happens in us. And as that happens, as I keep walking with Jesus, as I keep taking my next steps, he's renewing my mind. He's changing my thoughts. And as he changes my thoughts, hopefully that leads to change in my actions. That's what repent means. God, teach me to see like you see. God, teach me to, to think like you think. God, teach me what you want for my life. That's repentance. The second thing Peter said, repent and be baptized. And so repentance is internal, baptism is external. Repentance is spiritual, baptism is physical. Baptism is something that every single follower of Jesus is told to do over and over and over and over again in the scriptures. It doesn't save you, it's not tied into salvation, but we're told to do it out of obedience. And right here, Peter says, hey, I, I want you to ask Jesus into your life and then be baptized. In other words, I want you to put on the jersey. That's what I want you to do. I want you to go public. I want you to identify with Jesus. Baptism is the way that we are given to identify with Jesus Christ. Peter said, repent and be baptized. And then he said this, every single one of you. Listen, there were good people in the crowd. There were bad people in the crowd. There were religious people in the crowd. There were non-religious people in the crowd. Peter named no exception. He said, every one of you needs to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who you're going public for. The Bible goes on to say in verse 41, those who accepted this message 
were baptized, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people. 3,000 people said yes to Jesus. Yes, I'm going to take my next step in my walk with you, Jesus. That's amazing. Later on in Acts chapter 9, the Apostle, Pete, the, uh, the Apostle Paul meets Jesus. Um, he meets Jesus. He gets baptized. He, he goes on, and um, he writes about baptism. And, and this metaphor is, that he says about baptism is so huge and so awesome. I want to share it with you. It's in Romans chapter 6, verse 3. says this, Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? He's telling us it's symbolic. Right? It's symbolic. It has nothing to do with salvation. Right? This isn't saving you. It's symbolic of what he did. It's symbolic of when somebody is standing in the water and they're lowered under the water. That's symbolic of the grave. They are buried. The old Jew is buried under the water. The old Jew, in other words, the old Jew is dead. If you're in Christ, the old Jew is dead. It says in the next verse, verse 4, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead as we come back out of the water, just as he was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. I'm glad we don't stay under there. We actually come back up. And when we come back up, it's symbolic of the fact that we have a brand new life in Christ Jesus. When Jesus Christ comes into our life, he power washes our soul, and we are made brand new. So with all that in mind, I want to hit three points about baptism real quick. All right, three points, and then I'm done. The first one, baptism is always Always, 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 always. Everybody say always. Always after salvation. Baptism is always after salvation. I'm going to ask you a, a question. This is not a difficult question. This is an easy one. This is like a, this is a softball that I'm just lobbing into you. All right? Everybody look. Everybody look up here. This is a what on three? One, two, three. A ring. What kind of ring? A wedding ring. It's a wedding ring. I put this ring on. Actually, this is not the ring I put on. This is my third ring. Not because I have three marriages. Um, because I lost the first. I tore the second. I'm about to, this one's got a rip in it, too. I'm about to rip this one um, as well. So I need a, a fourth one. But anyway, I put a ring on this finger like this, January 8th, 2000. I've been married 21 years. If you don't believe in miracles, don't clap, don't clap. Don't clap. Put your hands together and pray for Mary. Like, that's what you, that's what you need to do right there because she's a saint. <laughs> Guys, it's really important. Like, January 8th, like, I know. It's really important that you remember the anniversary date and how many years you've been, you've been married, right? I got married in the year 2000, so I cheated. So anybody who asks me, how many years you've been married? What year is it? <laughs> it's 2021. I've been married 21 years. That, that's, God loves me like that. He just let that happen. Anyway, this ring is put on my finger, January 8th, 2000. Let's say that when I got out of high school in 1992, I said, you know what? I'm not dating anybody, but I know that I'm going to get married one day, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy a wedding ring. I'm just going to stick it on my finger. Now, if people saw that, nobody would come up to me and be like, hey, Ryan, when did you get married? Oh, I didn't get married. Why are you wearing a wedding ring? Well, I'm going to get married one day. Are you dating anybody right now? No, but I know one day I'm going to get married, so I'm going to put it on. Nobody would walk away going, that's a normal individual. They would walk away saying, man, that dude is deep into drugs. Like, right? Like, nobody. Nobody would think that, that was normal. When I was born, my parents didn't say, Ryan's going to get married one day, and so let's put a ring on his little finger. That'd be weird. Because you don't put a wedding ring on until after you've made a covenant with another person. Yes or no? Yes. Baptism is the same way. Baptism is symbolic of the fact that we've entered into covenant 
with God. And we can't get the symbol until the covenant has actually been made. We talk about baptism around here all the time. We've had this conversation numerous times um, about excuses that people make as to why they can't get baptized. And I'm going to say these things. I'm going to try to be sensitive to them, but I want you to hear my heart in this, and I want you to hear exactly what I mean when I say these things. Um, a lot of people, you get, you've gotten baptized as a baby. In fact, how many of you got baptized as a baby? Come on, just own it. It's all right. It's cool. Me too. My, I, I did too. Here's the thing. Keep your hand up. You got baptized as a baby. Uh, keep your hand up if you remember it. None of us, right? Let, let me tell you what happened on your baptism day. You got mad about it. They put you in a dress. Even if you're a dude, they put a dress on you. They flicked water on you. You lost your dang mind. You screamed and cried. Your parents cried. Your grandparents cried. It was an emotional, spiritual moment for them, and it was great. But it wasn't your decision. Here's what I want you to understand. Your parents can't pick your jersey for you. Your parents can't pick your team for you. My son Jairo was born in 2000, and, and for the first four or five years of his life, he watched every single Colts game with me, every single one. And then one day, he decided he wanted to be a Steelers fan. Broke my heart. I just knew he did not need to go into that direction with all those sinning Steeler fans, right? Like, I mean, that's what they're, and, and, and I know there's going to be a Steeler fan in here because there's always one somewhere you guys are like cockroaches who are going to tell me, well, they won the game the other night, but they played the Cowboys. So come on, man. Like, let's just <laughs> love you, mean it. Um, <laughs> but but, but, but I, just, I didn't want him to. I just knew it was God's will for him to, to be a, a Colts fan. And by God's grace now, he sort of kind of likes them. But listen, as much as I wanted him to go to games with me, as much as I wanted a son to, to love a team with me and to celebrate as much as I did, I couldn't choose that team for him. He, he has to choose a team for himself. And, and I want you to listen to me, and, and you've got to hear this. Your parents cannot choose Jesus for you. They just can not. And, and, and what they did that day, I've had people say, well, I can't get baptized because if I do, it'll diss my parents. And what they did that day, they baptized me. Number one, that wasn't a biblical baptism. It was a dedication. We're going to do that next week at Central here as well. We're going to have baby and child dedication. But listen, for you to actually follow through and get baptized wouldn't dishonor your parents. It would actually fulfill what they prayed for you on the day that you were dedicated by them to the Lord. It's actually a completion, not a contradiction. Some people, I, I know you say you can't get baptized because you say, I was baptized as a kid, but, but I, don't, I don't know why, but I was baptized already. Like they're given an invitation, and your mom was like, you want a cookie? Yeah, go get baptized, and I'll give you a whole bag of cookies. Like they're giving away T-shirts or free Bibles or whatever, and you just went up because your friends were going or whatever, and you don't know. And listen, I've, I've said this so many times here at Central. If you were baptized before you made a decision to follow Jesus, all you were was a wet sinner. And it's time to make the commitment because it matters. It's important. Which leads to point number two. Baptism is always, always, and only by immersion. Now, now listen, there, there's all kinds of debates about this. And so I want to say this. With all honesty and sincerity, I ain't going to fight about it. I'm not. I won't fight. I'm telling you, the only way we baptize here at Central is by immersion. And, and I'm not, I'm not going to fight about it. I don't believe that. That's awesome. I'm just, I'm not going to fight you about it. And the reason why is because I know godly people who are on both sides of the argument, 
but I'm a very, very, very simple dude. For me, because I'm a simple guy, I'm like, I'm a Christian. That means I'm a follower of Jesus. That means if Jesus did something, then, then I should try my very best to do it the same way that Jesus did it. And there's not a scholar in the world who would argue that Jesus wasn't baptized by immersion. And so if Jesus was baptized by immersion, sign me up. You have some people who, who argue and they say, well, you know, in some parts of the world, they have issues. They don't have enough water. We're in Iowa. We're fine. We've got rivers and lakes and creeks and swan ponds. We've got water on top of water, all right? We're fine. We're, we're okay. We, we've had other people say, well, I'm, I'm scared of water. Now, that's legit. I know that there are people afraid of the water. But listen, in all of the years that this church has been doing baptisms, we've never had a death in the baptistry. Now, you might be the first. <laughs> somebody has to go first, right? Like, it has to be somebody. But I feel like if you died in the baptistry, you'd go straight to the front of the line in heaven, right? Like, you'd get the Vegas gold card treatment or something. you get the fast pass just right to the front of the line. We've never lost anybody. There are no sharks in our baptism pool. We've had other people, and I'll, and I'll be sensitive to this, but I want you to hear my heart. We've had ladies, as always ladies, who say, well, Ryan, I'm just really concerned about my appearance, about my hair and my makeup. Listen, I get it, but I'm so glad that I follow a Savior that wasn't concerned about his physical appearance when he was dying, naked, bleeding on a cross for us. If he did it, so can you. Number three, baptism is everyone's next step after salvation. Everyone's next step, everyone's, no exception. No exception to go public. No exception. Everyone's, everyone's next step is to go public for Jesus. God made us to be in relationship with him. And he loves us so much that he made the first two steps simple and clear for everyone. Everyone has the same first two steps. Repent and be baptized. And so I just want to ask this question. If we can't do those two things, how in the world are we going to follow Jesus for the rest of our lives? Like, that's a legit question. If we can't repent and be baptized, how can we say, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to follow you anywhere, anywhere, anyhow, anytime. I'm, I'm with you, Jesus. How are we going to do that? Jesus was talking about challenges one time. He was actually challenging his disciples. In Luke chapter 9, he says this, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. That's baptism. Baptism is denying ourselves. Baptism is saying, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And I know this is where some people go, well, I've repented, I've asked Jesus to come into my life, but it was a private decision. I want you to understand, following Jesus is a personal decision, but it's not a private one. He has called us to be salt of the earth. He has called us to be light into the dark world. He's called us to tell people about the resurrection. We don't have the option to be silent when we serve a Savior who wasn't silent and told us we need to go out and make his name famous even to the ends of the earth. He said, you must deny yourselves and take up your cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose their very self? That's a great question. What good is it? What good is it? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes into his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And I don't want anybody in this church, I don't, I don't want for that verse to be true for any of us. Where Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. I don't think you need to be ashamed of Jesus. I think Jesus gave his life for you. 
and I think that you've got what it takes to go public for him. The only thing you have to do is say yes. Sit. Say yes to taking your next step. I'm going to close with, with this verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says this. It says, today is the day. This is Psalm 118. Today is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice. Rejoice and be glad in it. That verse, um, man, that verse the past couple of weeks has super come alive to me, um, especially in this past week. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. I want you to understand something, and this is what I want you to walk out of here with today. You cannot rejoice if you don't repent. There cannot be joy in your life if you do not repent. See, if you get caught doing something, there's regret, and with regret comes sorrow. And within that, there is no joy. But with repentance, with repentance comes joy. And I know every single one of you sitting in here right now would love to say that you want joy in your life. It comes right here. But understanding today is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We will repent. We will take our next steps. And Jesus, we will follow you. The only people that get to experience this verse are people who say yes to Jesus. And so, maybe you're in here and you don't know where you stand in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you've never repented. Maybe today you need to give your life to Jesus and be baptized. In just a second, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to walk out the back door. You'll meet somebody back there. Um, they'll point you where you need to go. They're gonna take you upstairs and, and they're gonna videotape you and we'll baptize you next week. I want you to listen to me. Baptism, it's a big deal. It doesn't save you, but it's a step that we all need to take. And it's a step that will always be celebrated in the house of the Lord. Will you stand with me and pray?